This is Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender experience and perspective. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. Each week, I invite a different guest to share their personal experiences regarding gender and gender issues. When I use the word gender, I mean the range of social roles, personality traits, attitudes, behaviors, values, and relative power that society assigns to females, males, and other individuals. Gender is an identity that is learned. How we define gender changes over time and can vary within and across cultures. This podcast is recorded at my kitchen table and may contain sounds of life from my home and neighborhood in Washington, D.C. Episode 9. My guest today is Matt, who self-identifies as a cisgender gay male and prefers the pronouns he and him. Hello, Matt. Welcome. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So, Matt, I wanted to start off by asking you, how do you self-identify? Sure. So I self-identify as a cisgendered gay male. And may I ask, it, it, it's interesting, I've, I've been having conversations with other people from the LGBTI mm-hmm. community, and you're the first person who has used the word gay. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me why? Do you or do you know why? Or is sure. it something you've ever thought about? Well, I think there's been a movement um, in both the gay community as well as across um, any community where we're starting to use a broader um, number of terms, and from queer to uh, uh, pansexual, there's there's a plethora of terms that have now come out. For me. Um, I identify with gay um, because when I was growing up, um, that tended to be the term that was predominantly used. And so I think now with the younger generation, they have a lot more um, terms that they can um, leverage for their their growth of trying to identify, see where exactly do they identify themselves and um, what they're most comfortable with. And um, I'm sure we could talk a lot about that uh, in particular, because I think there's pros and cons to um, the, the labeling. Um, it, on the one hand, it's empowering because maybe you don't identify as just as gay or bi or lesbian. Maybe you um, have um, a path that like, has many doors that you may want to go down. And so queer is better for you or pansexual or, or asexual. Um, whereas um, for me, I'm, I, I've found my identity. I'm strong with my identity. And uh, gay is really the term that I, I identify with. Thank you. That is very clear. And what pronouns do you prefer? He or him. So Matt, I happen to know that in really kind of the beginning of your career, you worked in an environment that was specifically focused on gender and women's empowerment. What in your personal life brought you to want to work in that space? It's, you know, my entire career has been a series of unique opportunities and events. And um, interestingly, when I first started in in the international affairs field, I didn't expect to be put into an office focused on women's issues. Oh, this was not your choice? It was not necessarily my first choice. However, it was a choice that when it was offered to me, I said, absolutely. I think this is fascinating. And um, 
you know, I studied in college um, mostly on human rights, and I was—I grew up in my family with a strong sense of um, of obligation to addressing human rights around the world. Uh, my father was a social worker. Uh, my mom was an immigrant. Uh, my grandfather was a um, prisoner of war in World War II, and um, so the the sense of justice and our duty to um, fulfill justice um, included women's rights and so it was a really unique experience and I would say it's honestly it was a foundational experience for me because while I had included gender you know studies in my um, human rights coursework it wasn't something that I particularly focused on as a, a self-identified gay male um, and yet I found it as the more and more I dug into the research of why should we focus on on women's rights or on gender studies or um, uh, really gender mainstreaming as we're we're now I'm um, kind of uh, heading towards. Um, there's a lot of economic data um, to justify it. There's um, you know a number of different uh, social indicators that uh, are foundational for demonstrating why we should ensure that these issues are addressed, not only just because it's the right thing to do. I am also curious, how did working in this particular office, either how or did it impact your personal life? Oh, it was a huge impact on me personally. Um, I joined this office and um, one of the senior leaders in the office was a male. And uh, the rest of the office were, were women. And I think it was, um, it was an interesting uh, conversation point in our office of how important men are to advancing women's issues. And for me, again, it was, I, I didn't necessarily focus on women's issues in my, um, in my uh, studies, but I realized that um, although I have not uh, personally been impacted as, because I'm not a woman, I haven't been um, sexually harassed, I haven't had um, even microaggression um, against me or things like that um, due to my, my gender, um, the importance of in every aspect of my career, recognizing the, the diversity and the value of diversity in the workplace and that my role as a male in supporting that is so important. Um, because uh, if, uh, if we only look at this as a, uh, a feminist issue that only women um, should be engaged in, um, we're going to lose the, the conversation. Um, it's really important that we bring in the whole of society. And so for me personally, that was a, a huge changing point in my thinking of where um, it's not just a niche issue. It's rather, again, um, it's something that we have to think about in every aspect of our work and our daily lives. Matt, when in your life did you first become aware of different gender roles? It's a great question. Um, you know, I, my family is a unique family where, on the one hand, there was a lot of um, traditional structure. My grandfather was, at my mom's side, um, was the, the patriarch. He, um, uh, you know, 
utmost respect of my grandmother was, of course, uh, uh, the rule. Um, you should, you will never uh, cross my grandmother, um, and, or else you'll deal with my grandfather, of course. Um, but at the same time, um, in my nuclear family, my um, father and my mother had reversed uh, roles where my mother was the breadwinner and my father was, um, a, uh, more of the social, he did, worked on social worker. He was a social worker, worked on, um, social issues and, um, was the, the caretaker of, uh, me and my siblings. Um, so it was an interesting, uh, reversal within just one generation. Um, and I think, uh, that, my my upbringing of seeing different roles of women and 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 men and uh, different ways of doing things really impacted me. When did you come out to your family? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so I struggled with my identity for a long time. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, and I'm the youngest of four siblings, um, grew up in the Midwest. And, um, although we were a very liberal, um, household, um, at the same time I had sort of those traditional, um, uh, hangups, um, for myself. Um, no one ever told me in school that if you were gay, you were going to hell or things like that. But there were still those religious, um, hangups in particular that I, I had internally. And so I struggled with that a long time. Um, so I think I, uh, I think I was in, um, I must've been 15 or 16 years old and I was dating uh, uh, my first boyfriend and um, my first serious boyfriend. And um, my mother, the, my boyfriend was staying in my house. My parents were fine with it. They, they didn't know. They didn't, know. Okay. they didn't connect it. But I was came out of my room. I was brushing my teeth. My you know boyfriend, who was my friend, um, air quotes friend um, at that time, um, was staying with me in my room. Um, and my uh, mother came out of her room as I was brushing my teeth and point blank asked me, you know, are you gay? And I said no, but my friend is. And we kind of left the conversation at that. And so it wasn't until a couple of years later, I was probably in college um, when I uh, came out to my, to my mother. And unfortunately my father had already passed away. So I never had the chance to really tell him. And so I, I always struggled with my identity. At first I thought I was a bisexual. And then I realized that was mostly my own hangups because I don't, um, identify with um, bisexuality, um, but I really do identify as as a, uh, a gay male. And um, but it took a long time uh, for me to uh, really uh, own who I am and recognize that it's not limiting. And my career um, can progress um, with that. But even in the workplace, um, I struggled um, with that for a for a long time. I'm curious, when did you first become aware that you were different from the rest of your family? Yeah, I, I uh, from a uh, sexual orientation perspective, yeah, I, I knew, um, I knew but did not want to accept it when I was in third grade. 
Wow. I knew. I knew I had special feelings for a, a, a friend that um, each day I just, there was something different. There was uh, a feeling in my gut that I just was, um, you know, in kid love with uh, one of my friends. And I knew that it was different. And that's when I, I started uh, thinking to myself, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. I should be, um, you know, be focusing on dating women and things like that. And, or, you know, down right, the road, the years year. down. Right. <laughs> um, but so that was the start of um, my identity uh, path or finding who I am and accepting who I am. Yeah. Third grade. And speaking of accepting who you are, I believe you've also had some really positive experiences with other family members, like, for instance, your sister. The first time um, my sister, who's the oldest, um, was pregnant with her first uh, kid, we had a conversation about, um, you know, how are you going to explain um, that you have a a gay brother um, who has a a gay partner? Um, and um, you know, my sister, who also had friends uh, growing up that were gay, was very very much an ally and so forth. She was like, "Well, I would do it like any anything else, where I would just say, well, you know how I love your father. Matt loves this person, and it's all about love, and not about the the differences in sexual orientation or all the other intricacies." But and it's fascinating that almost every instance where I've come across and I've asked people about this, where they've had the same experience. Kids are, um, they just get it. They just understand that. Um, they don't have these preconceived notions of what uh, traditional um, structures look like. And so they're willing to accept that love is love. So Matt, we touched a bit upon career, but I'd like to go back to that. Are there any other gender issues that you've had to deal with within your career, within your work life that you haven't addressed so far? Yes. Um, I think one of the, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I've, I have this fortunate and, and I would say also unfortunate um, ability to uh, have a foot in many different circles or uh, groups or structures. And I think um, in my, in the workplace, in the career, um, that has also developed um, some challenges where um, on the one hand, uh, you know, I can get along with the, um, you know, the more uh, traditional uh, male, straight male um, colleagues in the office. Um, and on the other hand, I have lots of friends and coworkers that are, um, that are women um, or um, from uh, different sexual orientations. Um, but I, I think there's always this um, personal reticence um, to, uh, especially with my, um, with some of my colleagues that are uh, especially straight men um, that are at senior levels that I don't ever know what their reaction is going to be um, to, to me, to um, my orientation or things like that. And then also with, um, with women, I also wonder sometimes if, uh, although I am a gay male, I am still a male. And so 
um, if I'm too friendly or um, if uh, if I'm feeding into, uh, um, especially if they don't know I'm gay, um, if I'm feeding um, mixed signals where they could take it the wrong way um, of, you know, if I genuinely just think that you look nice today, if I've made that comment, is that going to make someone else uh, as, a, as a woman, am I making you uncomfortable because you don't know me yet or you don't know um, that I'm, I'm gay and married and, and so forth. So I think um, that identity role is a, a challenge for me in the workplace um, because I want to ensure that there's an inclusive, diverse workplace, but, and that, um, on the one hand, I own my identity, but I also, on the other hand, so that I'm not uh, judged or already have uh, others have preconceived notions uh, based off of my um, my orientation. And so I think there's a lot of different aspects where I've had challenges um, personally um, in the workplace. I appreciate that struggle. Is this is this a conversation you have with other gay men? Do you guys talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's interesting because I think there's two tacks. There's um, the you just don't talk about it, and you let your work speak for itself. Um, or there's a tack where you just don't care, and you tell everybody, and you just deal with it, and um, and you let them think what they think. And I think there's um, you know, there's pros and cons to both sides. I think, for me personally, um, I've I I've had instances where I let my preconceived notions about what the response would be get in the way, and I've regretted that um, years later. Where, for example, I thought someone that was a law enforcement officer, conservative, et cetera, et cetera, um, would. Um, just immediately not uh, uh, collaborate with me in the workplace or um, would have negative uh, sort of uh, reactions to if I had told them the truth of who I am um, and wound up years later that, um, you know, they didn't care all along. And I just let that um, build a barrier where I didn't get to know them um, as well because I didn't want to open up my personal life to them. And I regret that. Um, so I think there's, um, you know, in in the community, and I'm sure with um, um, uh, any anyone in different orientations or, or even just with uh, among women in the workplace, that there's, um, we need to have more of these conversations and just and not let our preconceived notions get in our way. Because I really believe that the vast majority of problems that we have are purely because we're not talking about it. We're not, um, we're letting our own internal thoughts get uh, and create more conflict than actually exists. So I understand. <laughs> I do understand. And at the same time, there's a certain measure of discernment. When do we talk about it and when do we not? It's it's a challenge. Yeah. It's a dance. Yes. Yeah, I think on that point, um, I think this is an interesting thing because uh, I, you know, on the one hand, I'm a minority because of my sexual orientation. On the other hand, um, I'm not a minority. Um, and I think that is also a personal struggle, but it's also when I hear... Um, you know, especially because I do have a quarter of my background is from Southeast Asia. Um, I do identify as not fully a white male. 
Um, and, and yet often I'm put into that box in the workplace. And so I think that, um, in, and often by other groups, um, whether it's uh, minority groups or, um, et cetera. And so it's, you know, it's important for us all to step back and be careful about our, how we label others, um, and what our preconceived notions are and how do we let that uh, impact other people. So as I know you are very aware, we are really having a very different conversation around gender these days. And I wonder, what do you think is possible today, given the current conversation, that was not possible even a few years ago? I think the Me Too movement in particular was so important for the conversation because it started to destigmatize um, the the conversation about being a uh, having sexual assault or sexual harassment um, uh, towards towards you and especially um, for women because I think um, you know we've we've had many. Uh, instances that have come up in the media and immediately the um, you know if it's a if it's a woman that's uh, uh, speaking out about uh, the incident um, they're attacked they're uh, you know there's so many aspects where it's it's a character assassination on the individual and I think now um, it brought attention to it and I think that's great and I think it's has the potential to change the culture of the of uh, what's acceptable and what's not. I don't think it's going to be solved overnight. I'm not that naive. I don't think any of us are. But at the same time, I think that it has highlighted that this issue is not something of the past. It's something that happens every single day. And I think um, I even have friends where their parents um, saw on social media um, and uh, it started a dialogue within their family where they did not know that an incident may have happened, um, whether it was large scale or or, um, uh, or not. Um, and I think it was it, it's important for us to recognize this is not a thing of the, the 1960s. This is something um, that happens every single day, um, whether you whether you are a woman, whether you're a man, um, whatever it is, and that it's not okay. And that it's, it is okay to speak up and to speak out. And um, so I think we have to keep that dialogue going and make it more than just a conversation point, but really find ways to um, change culture related to this. And I, I'm seeing it in small ways in the, in the workplace. I see, um, you know, uh, especially some of my uh, straight male colleagues um, being recognizing and um, uh, trying to identify for themselves uh, when those uh, kind of minor actions um, could be misinterpreted and and uh, try to proactively uh, uh, fix it um, or stop stop um, those inadvertent um, things that may be malintentioned but uh, or may not have a malintent um, but are and may have actually good intentions but are not welcome and that now they I think are starting to get that even um, if it's well-intentioned, if it's not welcome, it's not okay. Um, and I, I think, again, this is 
although it's not just a uh, a women's issue, I think it impacts a wide swath of the community um, or of, of society. Um, I think it's important for us to recognize that we need to address it. Um, and uh, and I think many in, in the corporate world as well as in the government are, are trying to um, institute at least policies and it's a stepping stone, but more needs to be done. As a gay man, have you had to deal with other kinds of harassment or bullying? Is that something that you've experienced in your life? Yeah, bullying especially. Um, and I think, you know, I was all as a as a kid. I was not the most athletic. It wasn't something that I was very interested in. Um, I did some sports here and there, but um, really, I loved theater. I loved music. I did uh, choir, and I and, and uh, um, I was the president of the drama club in high school and whatnot. And um, you know, I I think that. Uh, the bullying that I did get of accusations of um, he's gay or he's not uh, uh, masculine enough or things like that, especially in high school, um, hindered me. Uh, I would have, again, how do we allow our own perceptions of reality get it in our way? Um, you know, I had a dream to be in theater on Broadway and music. And, um, you know, I did very well when I was in, in high school and I was off in the lead and performances and things like this. Um, but I did not work on my craft at home. I didn't uh, sing or practice at home because I was afraid I was going to get bullied even by my brothers, um, and let alone if someone else heard me. And that really hindered me uh, because, as you know, um, you know your voice. It, it's a uh, it's an, an art, and the the more that you practice, the stronger your vocal cords are, the better you sound, uh, um, etc. So um, I let that get in my way because I was afraid of the bullying, and um, and I think the 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 positive aspect of social media now um and i see it as i follow my nieces my nephews um uh it's almost the cool thing to do now to stand up for people that are being bullied and i think that's such an amazing thing and i see it again on my uh, you know my um uh, on the social media that my uh, family members are on and they're they're young they're in high school um i see them you know um even uh using terms for one another um that are endearing between men and things like that when um when in my day if you did that oh no you'd be bullied you'd be ostracized you'd be uh, in many aspects uh really uh, painted with a uh, a negative uh color um and so i think there's small changes but that that uh, was one regret I have that I, I allowed my own fear of my identity get in my way. Um, and it was less about the bullying that happened to me. It was more my fear of um, recognizing myself. Matt, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think it is important for us all to share our stories and um, 
you know, I, I grew up in a time um, where um, the Matthew Shepard uh, incident happened, uh, the murder, brutal murder of him. Um, and um, again, I grew up in the Midwest where it was common to use, um, you know, gay and, and um, fag as hate words. And, um, and yet I think it's, uh, did I ever have anyone attack me or things like that? No, it was never that severe, but it doesn't have to be that severe to have an impact on your life. And, um, so I do think it's important for people to hear even the, the microaggressions that happen. Um, and not just in the gay community among women, as we talked about with the Me Too movement, but also in many conversations that I've had with my, you know, black friends, um, they say the same thing of where it's little things, um, that, that happen each day and people don't think about it. And so I think the more we raise attention to that, um, the better, uh, because then perhaps that'll stop. Um, Matt, can you tell me about a time when you thought, I can't do something, or if I try to do this thing, that the consequences would be so great that I'm not even going to try? Hmm. When I was in um, high school, um, I started toying with the idea of joining the military. And part of that was financial. Um, my uh, parents were not wealthy. I knew I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to um, work in the international affairs field. Um, I was a good student, but I wasn't the best student. Um, I wasn't um, totally impoverished in my family uh, where we, you know, the uh, financial aid would just roll in um, because of my, you know, uh, merit potential, academic merit potential. So I was in this weird place where I'm a good student, but not quite good enough. I'm, you know, not wealthy, but I'm not poor. Um, I want to go to a good school, but I can't really afford it. And so I started toying with the idea of the military. And then I realized I couldn't lie. I couldn't lie to myself. And this was when Don't Ask, Don't Tell. What, like, decade? Um, so this was in um, the late 90s and early 2000s when I was looking at colleges. Um, and um, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still um, in, in place. And I realized I just could not lie to myself anymore. And I wouldn't want a career where I would have to do that. And um, even though I came from, my father was in the Air Force. My grandfather fought in, in, uh, in the military um, in World War II. Um, and I had other family members in the military. Um, and I respected the institution that it was, and and um, and yet I just couldn't do that because the sole reason was because of my sexual orientation. So yes, that that's one area where I just said I couldn't do it, and I I regret that now because um, you know sometimes putting ourselves into those uncomfortable situations or into those areas where um, maybe we can change the system a little bit and be the example, I think are so um, nerve wracking to do, but so important because if you're not the uh, part of the, uh, the trend uh, changing, um, then you're not part of the solution. And so um, 
again, this is another area where I've worked a lot over the years with uh, U.S. military members, and the the I, I have fortunately not had that preconceived um, notion of where I'm not going to tell them my sexual orientation or my my personal life or things like that, um, assuming that they won't accept me. On the contrary, I've done so, and they've always accepted me um, every single time, and. I regret that. It would have been great. It would have paid off my student loans uh, much faster. But at the same time, um, you can't live your life in, uh, in, in the hindsight looking in the rear view mirror. You have to accept those um, incidences and um, realize that you are who you are today because of it. So, Thank you. Matt, is there some place in your life where you decided to push on Anyway, even though gender expectations or gender norms said don't. Hmm. I think one area has been my work on uh, in support of um, gender in the workplace throughout my career, where, um, you know, the expectation has been that, um, well, that's, you know, a women's issue and women should deal with that or the women's um, office that focuses on that should focus on it. And I've in every, almost every job that I've been in, I've sort of rejected that and, and I've tried to find ways to support um, initiatives focused on um, gender issues. Um, because again, I think it's, unless if we're doing that, uh, if everyone is starts to do it and um, then uh, it, it, we won't have a change um, in our society. And as a male, it's so important for us to be an, an added voice um, to the conversation and in support of um, gender issues. So I think that's one area where um, perhaps uh, perhaps if I followed the, the traditional um, approach, um, it, it would not have been uh, an area that I would have pushed on, but it's something that I've just consciously decided I'm going to do this and make this part of my, my career path. Matt, is there something that you would like regular people in this country to start doing around issues of gender? So, you know, not politicians, mm -hmm. not celebrities, yeah, I think um, I think one of the most important things that we can do around gender is recognize and understand the different terms that are being utilized, but also at the same time, not slam people if they use or don't use a certain term. Um, so, for example, um, you know the uh, it's very popular now to say I'm cis, whatever, um, and you know, that's good for many good reasons. At the same time, I don't think we want to alienate anyone if they're not using those terms. And so I think um, many of these terms are about, it's personal in nature. So asking the question of, uh, like you do in the start of this uh, podcast of how do you identify and what terms would you like me to use? I think that is the perfect approach to take and not judge anyone based off of that because, um, at the end of the day, it's personal. And so I think that's one important aspect um, to ensure that um, while on the one hand we're advancing society, we're not um, starting to divide ourselves even more so.
So I've had a number of conversations with people around this issue of pronouns, and I'm really curious, you as a gay man in your mid-30s, what's your opinion? What's your take on the whole pronoun and identity conversation? Well, I think this is the this is the real crux of it. That um, if you look at the the, the um, LGBTQI uh, and keep on going uh, community or the queer community, um, I think this is why uh, many of the the younger population is um, shifting to the term queer because um, you know it, as I, in my foundational years it was well you're either you're put in buckets still. You're gay, or you're a lesbian, or you're bi, or you're trans. And really, the trans community was always sort of ostracized, even in the gay community. And um, it, that's a, that was a problem. And I think the um, the use of um, pronouns um, now is a really great thing because of um, it's starting to destigmatize also the, the trans community, even among the, the queer LGBTQ community, and recognize that, um, you know, there's, uh, that is still a, um, a gender norm that we are, a traditional gender norm that we're abiding by if we only focus on he or she. Um, because sometimes you might be in between. You may be transitioning. You may have different circumstances or um, different comfort levels. And so I think that's where um, the use of these terms that are, are that are coming up, it's a recognition that, again, even in you know a minority community like the LGBTQ uh, community, um, we can often ostracize each other among ourselves, and that's not okay. Um, so I think uh, it's good. It has many positive aspects that, um, uh, but I think we have to to continue to do more to to educate people on why we're doing that. And um, I think uh, it, you know the 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 use of the term queer on the one hand is very positive because it's very encompassing. On the other hand. Um, you know, I don't identify as as queer because I very explicitly identify as gay, and that's my choice. And so I think again, uh, ensuring that we're just opening the door to asking people, what would what would you, how do you identify, and how would you like me to um, refer to you, is really important. Um, and in the health field, um, you know, my my spouse works in the health field, and um, and. Uh, at his work, they often include um, what their pronouns are and how they refer to themselves, um, whether they're um, straight, gay, trans, whatever. Everyone um, uses those uh, pronouns in their email signature blocks so to try to um, educate on the one hand, but also to, to make it acceptable for everyone. So I think those little initiatives are important um, uh, as, as we continue to, to recognize that um, uh, we're not binary uh, in humanity. I, I really appreciate that. It, a couple folks I've been talking to have been um, kind of reminding me genders on a spectrum. Genders learned. We're not talking about. We're not talking about your biological sex. Right. You know, gender. These are roles and attitudes, and that are learned. That 
can, ev can and do evolve and change over time within the same culture. And at the same time, I want to go back to something you said in one of your other answers, which is understanding we're not all in the same place in terms of our awareness and to not jump down somebody's throat because they use the wrong pronoun. Like kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. Yes. We're in an evolutionary moment. So share, but don't attack. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's so important because um, I think, again, it goes back to um, where we often stereotype other people before having a conversation. And if you're a... Um, <laughs> a uh, a conservative southern uh, straight male from you know a, a southern state, um, and you happen to you know say to me something like you know are you gay? I could take that the wrong way, or I could take it as a positive conversation point. And um, as long as I check my preconceived notions until proven otherwise, it's very important because. What if that was the moment that the person wanted to have a real conversation about like for themselves, for their family member, for their son, whoever it is, that they just wanted to have uh, a conversation of what do I have to worry about? What are, what are the, you know, what are the positives? What are the, you know, all those kind of things. How do I, how do I have a conversation with my son about this, that it's okay or whatever. Um, so it, you never know where the conversation can take you. So don't start from a negative place. I think that's totally right. Matt, is there anything else you'd like to add, either on something that we've already discussed or something that we didn't touch upon? I think the only thing I would add is um, that, on, especially on um, women in the workplace, I think um, one thing that has really struck me, and it might be that it's the workplace that I'm in, is that I've often come across... Um, women that are more critical about other women than I've often found about men that are critical about women. And um, yes, there are ingrained hierarchies and prejudices against women in the workplace um, and promotions and, and so forth. But I think that's one real challenge that I've seen. That is, if I was to change one thing in my workplace today, it would be that, that um, changing the negativity between women um, in the workplace, especially towards women in, in leadership positions. It reminds me of something that somebody once told me. They said, patriarchy is not just about men. That women can be as patriarchal, if not more patriarchal, than men can be sometimes. And I will be very you know, blunt, I am still learning, like, what is patriarchy and what does this mean and how does it impact? But certainly the one thing I'm clear on, it's not just about men. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that that's what I think about when you share what you share. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing I struggle with the most is how to handle it, um, because, um, you know, it's one thing to handle it as you know a supervisor, but as as a colleague, I I sometimes um, wonder um, is it is it just that um, uh, 
women leaders feel that they have to exhibit certain personalities um, or that that's the perception that they're giving off or what is it? And, um, and, and why do others take such a front to it? And how can I, as a, a strong gender advocate and women's advocate, how can I play a productive role in those situations um, when possible and not overstep, frankly, my bound um, where I'm not, you know, I'm not a woman. So I, there's certain things where I don't know the full experience and I never will. Um, so um, I think that is one area where I, I, I struggle with, and I wish I had more of a of clarity on on where to go. Um, so I look forward to hearing more of your podcast to be to able say. to learn more about it. So. Well, no, it's great because all these interviews are building on one yeah. another. So now that you've planted that seed, let's see what blooms. That's great. Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing what you shared. And yeah, just thanks for coming over. Thank you. This is the, all the pleasure has been mine. Um, it's just been a great opportunity. So thank you. You've been listening to Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender experience and perspective. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. I see each conversation as an adventure, and I love being surprised by where we go. If you find you had any questions during the discussion, I'd really like to know. You can submit questions on the website, yourownvoice.org slash contact. Your Own Voice is produced by your host with IT support from Alex Moreno and is registered with ProtectRight. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thank you for joining us today. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well. Music